0: is what we're about and when we say we truly believe that knowing Jesus and doing life his way uh, is the door to the best possible life that God could have for you uh, we really mean that and so uh, so I think our sincerity is our strength I think it's what's appealing about this particular group of people and uh, since it's the Super Bowl today um, and since we're so sincere and we want to make sure and keep the main thing in front of us I want to read for you a verse that you uh, no doubt will be familiar with. Even if you have never been to church and you're just a football fan, you probably are familiar with John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That was God's intent. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork or masterpiece, depending on your translation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has good things in store for your life. Jesus didn't just die so that some way we, someday we get to be with God in heaven and eternity. Uh, although, hey, great for that. That I'm excited about. Uh, but God also has good works that he wants to do in our lives right now. And the way we get to those is by knowing Jesus. God prepared them in advance for us to do. For this reason, that's, that's why we're here today. Um, so that we can sincerely search out God's word in pursuit of him. In pursuit of knowing him. And so that's why I love being uh, part of this church. And uh, I think as we pursue God honestly... That's how we know that what we're doing matters, because we sincerely pursue God, honestly. So, um, so let's kick off our time together. See what I did there? Kick off? Yeah, nothing. All right, kick off. Uh, okay, uh, so, so let's start by just talking about your favorite subject, you. <laughs> yeah, right, your favorite, your favorite subject. Uh, we ended last week by talking about uh, Pastor Wayne's what he calls his 80-15-5 rule um, in his book, The Divine Mentor. Um, this, the percentages are kind of arbitrary, so don't, don't parse those. But basically, here's what it is. It says, in essence, that the overwhelming majority of the things you do with your time, really anybody could do, right? Like, if you're a student, guess what? Anybody else in your grade could, could do that. Um, it's, it's important that you, you do it, too, but, but really anybody could do it. The majority of things that you do with your time and energy really pretty much anybody could do. The 15% are kind of the things where maybe you have like a specialized ability. Uh, Maybe not just anybody could come in and do your job, uh, but most anybody with the right amount of like training and instruction probably could. And then he says the 5% or the small number of things, there's really just a handful of things in your life that only you can do, that, that no one else could ever take your place on. And, uh, and he gives, you know, a few examples of that. So this is what I want you to do to get us started. On the sheet that's on your seat there, there's not a place for this. Uh, I just want you to take a second and think of, let's say, two things in your life that meet this criteria. One, they're actually important, like they actually matter. Uh, and two, nobody but you could do them. So I'll just give I'll throw you an example while you're thinking about it. Uh, you can use my example if you want. Only I can be the husband in mine and Brandy's relationship. Now, Brandy could theoretically like leave and go marry somebody else, but that would be an entirely different relationship. It wouldn't be like take me out and insert a new person into our relationship. Only I can do that. Um, there's a couple of guys in my, my life that are, have become friends over the years that um, God has really given me a specific, uh, I'll call it a burden in the good sense, uh, a tug on my heart to be a spiritual mentor to them personally me me personally not not like help them integrate into the church but to be personally connected and invested there now there are many people who could come along right maybe in the 15% some people who've been uh, who are equipped who could come along and mentor them but not just anybody could be obedient to God's call on my life only I could do that if God's given me that burden only I can do The obedience part. So in your life, uh, there's probably a whole bunch of different things. Maybe like maintain your physical well-being. Unfortunately, uh, no one else can go to the gym for you, which is really too bad because then me and Dennis would be even tighter than we are. Uh, He's my guy. If somebody else is going to keep me healthy, it's going to be him. Uh, I bet that pretty much all of you are thinking the same thing. Uh, But nobody else can do that. right? Only only I can fill that role. And uh, it's The point that he makes in this is that that 5%, he says, those are the things in your life that truly matter. Those are the things that pertain to God's specific calling on your life, God's plan for your life. He even says that those are the things that he believes will give account to God for how we handled those things. Uh, Those are the things that really matter, and those are the things that need to get first priority. Uh, now, some of you are like, priority, that sounds like a list. Sign me up. Some of you like that idea, and some of you are like, that sounds like a list. I will never do that. Um, here's why it's important to, to have a priority, to actually sort of rank the things you could do with your time uh, in terms of their importance, because you can't do everything. This is just a physical reality. You can't do everything. I remember when I was in my 20s, uh, you know Brandy and I were sort of newly married, and uh, we felt like we were so busy. We we're just constantly on the go and all this, and I was like, "But when we're in our 30s and we're more established, things will calm down and get simple." That was cute, wasn't it? It was cute that I thought that. Um, but no, things got a lot different, but they definitely didn't get less complicated. They didn't get, uh, get simpler. That's not going to happen. In fact. The farther you go into life, and the more relationships you have, and the more balls you have juggling up in the air, the more complicated it will get, and the more often you'll have to actually choose what you can say yes to and what you have to say no to. So it's important to really understand what's in that 5%, because those are the things we've got to make sure those get done. Now, just by the way, totally on the side, I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of the things in the 80%. Like, It's awesome. If you want to just like, sit down and play a video game, there is no, like, important consequence there, but if you love it, please do it. Just make sure you're not, like, kicking out the 5% things so that you can. Uh, it's great to do things simply because you enjoy it or they're fun or whatever. Those, those are awesome. Um, Pastor Rick is one of the people in my life that makes sure I actually relax at times. Um, and you know what? There's a value to just relaxing at times. So do those. I'm not saying 80% bad. I'm saying make sure that the 5% gets the time it needs. Uh, Rick Warren... Uh, who Pastor Rick and I affectionately call Papa Bear because we're so close with him, even though he has no idea who we are. Uh, he, he, he did hug us. We have, had, uh, we have had hugs from Papa Bear. So uh, he made this list of what he called eight skills you need to succeed in life and work. Now that sounds like very like doctor Philish, uh but it's, the, the context for it is Eight skills from a biblical perspective, from the, from the worldview of a Christian, that are really going to benefit you in your success in life and work. That was, that was the idea. And uh, just by way of some strange, flukish chance, does anybody happen to know what number two on the list was? Okay, I didn't think so. Number two on the list was knowing what matters most. He said, he said you have to know how to recognize what's important and what's not important have to know how to, uh, to maybe sometimes even choose between what matters and what matters more. He said that's an essential life skill, and it actually is just really practical. Without any biblical context, uh, I think we can all agree that people who succeed in any arena of life know how to delineate between what matters and what doesn't matter. Like, successful business people they know how to delineate between these are the things that matter for our success and these are the things that actually don't matter. Uh, Successful business people can do that. Or like successful parents, they know how to delineate between the conversations that matter and the conversations that don't matter. Or successful couples don't waste their time arguing about things that don't matter. You can really apply that to any arena. Think of like a successful student. Successful students stay focused on the long term, what actually matters. You can can apply that to really any arena of life. It's so important to recognize what matters because the reality is there are things that only you can do. And they're in that 5%. And if your time and energy and resources are filled up with the 80% and there's not room for them, then they're not going to get done because only you can do them. And one of those things that are in your 5%, only you can search out and listen for the wisdom of God to guide you through this life and lead you into his blessing and protection. No one can do that for you. I wish I could do that for you, but I can't. I wish you could do that for me sometimes, but you can't. Only you can do that for you. Only you can search out the wisdom of God. Only you can search out the wisdom to guide you through life. So, uh, so I want to read this parable Uh, that will be really familiar to a lot of you. It's in Matthew chapter 13. We refer to it as the parable of the sower. Uh, It'll sound familiar. It'll be on the screen so you can uh, read along. Matthew chapter 13 verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. And this is what he said. A farmer went out to sow his seed. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, I can be a little bit of a grammar snob, so I just want to get this off my chest. A um, hundred is not grammatically correct. It should actually be 100. Uh, nonetheless, that's how it translates into English. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Um, so we have, we have four types of soil, right? You got the path. You think about what happens if you drop the seed on the path. Um, it's hard. It's impenetrable. The seed just sits right on top of it, and the birds came. They ate it up. You have the rocky soil. Uh, there's some dirt there, but there's, there's rocks underneath it, so it sprang up quickly, but then, of course, the sun came out and just immediately burnt the plants. Uh, that happens a lot around, around here, actually. Third, you have the thorny soil. Uh, you ever planted something in your garden and then had the weeds choke it out? Uh, I sometimes kind of joke about some of my neighbors who have this really immaculate garden because they're out there every single day for like hours pulling weeds because that's what it takes. This thora- the thorny soil is the soil where the seeds hit the ground, they could have grown, but it was so infested with weeds that they choked it out. And fourth, you have the good soil. The good soil is where the seed fell and it gave a huge crop way beyond just the number of seeds that were dropped on the ground. Now Jesus spoke in these parables, right? These illustrative stories, and he had a really a specific intent for doing it. He spoke so that those who were sincerely listening for the meaning of the parable, that were sincerely pursuing God, that they would be able to understand and apply what He was being what He was saying. But at the same time, those who came with spiritual arrogance, they kind of came with their own agenda, feeling like, I got this. Uh, those people would go away frustrated or empty-handed. That was kind of his intent. Essentially, so that the humble would receive the message and so that the proud would just go away frustrated. He was trying to humble the listener. And then later on, he explains the meaning of the parable down in verse 18. This is what it says. His disciples ask him the meaning, and so he explains it. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now here's the, the big difficulty with this parable. Four kinds of soil, right? I bet almost everyone who hears this parable assumes that they're the good soil. But the reality is, you could be any one of the four, right? You could be anywhere. And my guess is that even the people who were right there, who were super spiritually arrogant and just thought they knew everything, the ones who couldn't understand the parable, probably still assumed that they were the good soil, because that's what we do. We hear Jesus talk about, like, the ultra-religious Pharisees and then the sinners and tax collectors. Uh, we always assume that we're not the Pharisees, right? That's always the other guy. So what I would suggest is let's just approach the, the, uh, the parable, maybe not assuming we're any kind of soil, but just with humility and listen for what, for what God might say to us. So let's just examine the good soil, because it'll take all day if we try to do all of them. Uh, let's just examine the good soil, because if you're wondering, that's the one that we want to be. Uh, the good soil, who does Jesus say that is? He says that's the person who hears the word, God's word, and understands it. Uh, now, that kind of sounds like I hear it and then boom, like immediately it produces fruit in my life, right? Like I, I understand it. Oh, I got it. I'm going to do that. But if you look at it in the larger context of uh, the analogy he's making, how does the fruit spring up? It's not like the seed drops in the good soil and then bam, there's a field, right? It, it has to germinate. It grows Over time, It produces the crop at the right time. Well, that's how the word works in our lives. It has to grow. It has to mature. Uh, I had a friend when I was younger. He grew up in a Christian home and a good, good kid, one of my best friends ever in life. But eventually, he just just left his faith altogether. And the reason, he said, was because that doesn't work for me. And the reality that I came later to sort of figure out was that uh, he kind of had this idea that, whenever I like read the Bible or I go to church or I go to a camp, I should have like this immediate impact in my life. And he completely neglected the process of just letting God work in the details, right? Isn't it reasonable that God would be just as much in the minute details that happen over time as he would be in the immediate all-at-once experience? Um, in his case, he just kind of neglected that idea altogether. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying by using this farming analogy. Understand the soil, the the parable. God's word is the seed. Our hearts, our minds, that's the soil. You are the soil. And for the good soil, the outcome of planting God's word in your heart is the fruit. And it doesn't come to fruition always right today. That's not how farming works. The outcome is down the road. That's where the word fruition comes from. The process of bearing fruit, growing fruit. I have no idea what's going to happen in six months. I have no idea what's going to happen in six years in your life, but God does. And it's totally reasonable to think that he might be planting the seed in your life today so that at the right time, you'll have the wisdom that you need. That he might plant the seed, the right seed in your life right now so that down the road, it will germinate into a harvest of wisdom at the right time. It's a totally reasonable way to think, that he might just be preparing you so that you'll have the wisdom at the time that you need it. So a few years back, uh, not too far back, is when I turned 34, so just, just a few years back, I was in the worst shape of my life. Uh, I, was just, I was just at this spot where like um, at my office, it was on the second floor, and I'd have to go up the stairs, and I'd get to the top, and I'd be like, <sighs> I'd realize I was huffing and puffing. I'd get up there and somebody else's office would be up there and they'd be like, be like hey, good morning. And I'd be like, all <gasps> right. And so I was like, okay, something's got to change. This is not okay. Uh, and so I started doing two things. One was I started going for walks. And the other thing was I started feeling really lame about the fact that I was 34 and my exercise was going for walks. So, so I started to do those two things. And eventually I started like running a little bit while I was going for these walks. By the way, initially. Okay, we're sincere. I'm transparent. This is safe zone right here. I did this under the cover of darkness. I only did it at night. I was just so, like, I just felt so horrible. But I realized, like, I have to turn this around now. So, uh, so I started to do this. And then, like, a few months later, I got to the point where, okay, like, I can, like, jog a couple miles. And so I started going running with uh, a friend who went to our church that lived in our neighborhood. And we'd go together. And uh, one day, he said to me, he said, hey, we should sign up for the Tacoma Half Marathon. So this is when we lived over in the Seattle area and uh, we should sign up for the Tacoma Half Marathon. And uh, I said to words to the effect of that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And quite frankly, Sean, if you're gonna keep talking like that, I don't know if we can be friends. 13.1 miles, okay? Was so far off my grid at that time. In fact, it wasn't just off my grid, but it was way beyond my physical capacity. Uh, like the 2.3 mile loop that we ran was like awful. Uh, I knew I needed it, but I spent the whole day dreading it every single time. Uh, and that was, just, that was just how I felt about it. Uh, but here's what, uh, what eventually happened. One day at a time, one foot in front of the other, one mile after the other, eventually, about three years later, I ran a full marathon, 26.2 miles, like twice as far as what sounded crazy. Here's what I learned in the process of getting ready to, to run a marathon. Virtually anyone who has the capacity to stand up could run a marathon it's it's really not um, it's not as impossible of a challenge as it looked like to me from from the beginning all it required was incremental preparation right like today i'm going to run this far and guess how far i'm going to go tomorrow this far right one day at a time all it required was incremental preparation that was all that was necessary here's the thing i have no idea what kind of challenges you're going to face in the future but god does because he's already there and he's already given you his spirit, his presence in, his, in your life to be your helper in preparation for what that is. But it's one day at a time. It's walking with Jesus on an ongoing basis that will prepare you for that marathon of a challenge that might be down the road five years from now. But you'll be ready for it. So in the Old Testament, uh, Pastor Rick made reference to the life of Moses. Uh, you remember Moses, he led the Israelites out of, out of captivity in Egypt. Now, Bear in mind, the Israelites were like a couple million strong at this point. In fact, that's why Pharaoh got so frustrated with them, you might remember, because he was concerned about how big the nation of Israel was getting, so he sought to like, squash them. Uh, and, uh, and Moses was God's guy to lead them out. Uh, Moses was not qualified. You may remember from his story that he had committed a significant crime. Um, he had a speech impediment. Uh, Moses was not an it guy, but God chose him. So Moses leads them out of captivity. God's leading them out in front uh, by, with a uh, pillar of fire by night and smoke by day. And uh, Moses leads them on all these amazing adventures. Took years to finish this expedition. They get right up to the land that God had promised them. This is gonna be your land forever. You're gonna settle here. And just as they're about to cross into this land, Moses comes to the end of his life. Moses dies. And God appoints a guy named Joshua to take over, and if you read the story right at the end, like at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, is where Moses dies, and then the next book in the Bible is the book of Joshua, and in the first verse, it literally is like Moses is dead. You're in charge. It's like um, I want you, Joshua, to take charge, like now, like right now. I want you to become the leader of these millions of people and lead them into this land. There's not like preparation. God just says, boom, do this. So this is how it. This is how it reads. Joshua chapter one, verse one. Right after Moses dies it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, Moses who was Moses' aide, Moses my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. From the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their ancestors to give them. That's a pretty bold commissioning. Uh, Honestly, if I'm in Joshua's spot, I might need to like go look in the mirror in the restroom for a minute and like psych myself up to be the guy. But God's like, no, this is like now, like right now, lead these people in. He gives him this specific instruction. And then look what it says in verse eight. He gives him instructions on how to succeed. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Okay, so we just read this chunk of God's word. So now we're going to actually like practice what we've been saying we want to to do. Uh, So let's make an application from what we just read from Joshua's life, uh, hearing and responding to God's word. Let me ask you a question. What did God say to Joshua would be the key to a successful and fruitful life for him and the people that he was leading? What did God say would be the key? knowing and keeping and applying his word, right? Keep this book of the law. That was the first five books of the of the Bible, essentially. It was all that existed up until that point. He says, keep this, my word, keep it always on your lips. Think about it day and night. Be careful to do the things that are written in it. And if you do this, it will go well for you. You will be prosperous. You'll be successful knowing keeping and applying god's word those were the specific instructions pastor wayne puts it this way in the book the divine mentor he said the secret of achieving a successful and fruitful life from a biblical perspective all comes down to what you do with god's words what do you do with god's words that's where the key lies Uh, It's going to go well or it's going to go poorly depending on what you choose to do with God's words. And Jesus has a really similar conversation. Uh, You might remember this in John chapter 15. It's the vine and the branches uh, section if you're familiar with it. In verse 4, he says this to his disciples. He says, Remain in me and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine." Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain connected to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you've heard this section before, uh, you may remember he frames it all in the context of the importance of his words. Uh, Keep my commands. Uh, Let my words remain in you. That's the, the framework that he's using. So, big picture, you could look at at what he's saying, and you could sort of interpret it this way: If you remain connected to me, and my words remain alive in you, then there will be this obvious activity of the Father in your life. If you remain connected to me, and my words remain alive in you, there will be an obvious activity of the Father in your life. So, let's just do this little mental exercise. Uh, think of someone you know who was just like this legendary old saint, right? Like just the most gracious person that you ever look uh, you had in your life that you looked up to. I can think of some of my spiritual mentors. Was there obvious evidence of God's work in their life? Yes. Yeah. Jesus said, "Remain connected to Me, and I'll remain connected to you, and you'll have that obvious evidence of God's work in your life." I love a good worship song. But the truth is, it's not God's primary tool for fruitfulness in my life. Remember this. If we remove God's word from our life, if we allow that to be taken away from us, then we're also allowing the removal of God's primary tool for faithfulness in in our life. It's his word. That's his primary tool for fruitfulness in your life. So when we, our spiritual life kind of gets reduced down to like, uh, you know, the things we like, like Christian music and Christian books. And man, I just, I love my Christian community of friends. They're so encouraging to me. But none of those things can bear the weight of being God's chosen tool for fruitfulness in my life. Be careful uh, to maintain a relationship with God's self-disclosure. So let me just finish by giving you this example of how, uh, how the Bible works in our lives. Let's just suppose, let's just suppose that today was your first day as a Christian, Okay, try to climb into that space. Like right now, this is just the first moment in your life that you ever like became aware of your sin and how that disconnected you from God. And and you became aware of the fact that that Jesus died on the cross to satisfy the penalty for that sin. This is like the first moment. And so you've made the decision just just right here and right now. to put your faith in the sacrifice of Christ and to make him the Lord of your life, okay? So we had a room full of, room full of brand new Christians. That just happened. Uh, at first, here's what that's going to look like for you. A lot of your experience as a Christian is going to revolve around uh, trying to just determine the difference between right and wrong, right? Trying to understand, like, okay, these are kind of the boundaries that God has established for my blessing and protection. Initially, that's going to be a lot of your experience, choosing from right and wrong. But as time goes by and you sort of gain resolution on a lot of those things and you get comfortable with those boundaries, you're not really going to wrestle so much with right and wrong. More of your experience will be wrestling with the difference between wise and unwise. What's, what's God's best for me? Not so much about what's right and wrong, but you're going to start to wrestle a little bit more with, with the difference between wise and unwise. And the difference between wise and and unwise is the difference between experiencing the blessing and friendship of God and just being someone who believes in God. The difference between wise and unwise is the difference between having a relationship with God and having religion. It's the difference between being a disciple of Christ and being one of the Pharisees. The difference between wise and unwise. Uh, I had to take my uh, 2005 Ford Explorer to a mechanic a while ago, uh, Casey. I would go see Casey. And uh, uh, if you haven't ridden in my 2005 Ford Explorer, she's sweet. It's an experience. She's sitting right just, just sneaking up on 200,000 miles now. And, uh, and it was a while ago, I was making this humming sound. So I called Casey. And, uh, and I said, Casey, you know, I, I need to bring my Explorer to see it. he was like, okay, well, what's wrong with that? I was like, well, it's making this sound. He's like, oh, well, describe it. And so I'm like, and uh, i'm like but when i get going faster you know it doesn't go like high pitched or low pitched it just gets louder i'm making the sound and uh, so then he's like okay so it's coming from the back of the car right and i was like yeah he's okay well did you notice if you have like if it's leaking at all i'm like yeah there's a few spots in the driveway he's like yeah well what's going on there is on the rear differential there's a seal on each side where the axle goes in and the fluid's leaking out, and so now, like, the gear is making this humming sound that goes around, I was like, Casey, you are amazing. Well, how did Casey know that, just from me going, mm, making this humming sound? Because he's probably worked on 10,000 Ford Explorers over, the, over his lifetime, right? It's the most common SUV on the planet. The way he knew that is because he's probably had 600 of them with the exact same problem come through his shop. That's Wisdom. That's experience. That's how it works. In the book, the divine mentor, Pastor Wayne, refers to the sign that he saw at the auto shop. And uh, it's such a good illustration for why it's important for us to uh, to get connected to, uh, to the Word of God. This is what it says. The sign said, if you bring your car in before it breaks down so we can do the maintenance, the rate is $30 an hour. If you wait until it breaks and then you bring it in, the rate is $50 an hour. If it broke and you tried fixing it yourself and now you bring it in, it's $120 an hour. You can gain wisdom from either, from consequences. You can do that. But you can also gain it from God right up front. And his promise is that if we choose wisdom, he said in Psalm 32, 8, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. So here's our actionable step. For this week, uh, last week I know a bunch of you took the P10 challenge. Uh, a few of you had enough, like you know, boldness to like respond online. Uh, what's cool is I get these like statistics from Facebook on it. Uh, there were actually like hundreds of people that read through uh, the stuff that was on there. So if you did it, you're you know mildly famous, famous. Uh, so that was cool. Though. I was excited that so many people had at least taken the time to just read what was on there. Uh, so thanks for doing that. This week, I want to give you another call to action. And I came up with another clever name. I'm calling it Hashtag Maddie 13, as in Matthew 13. Uh, yes, just to help you, uh, help you remember it. In Matthew 13, there's five parables. The one we just read, the parable of the sower, is actually by far the longest. The others are just like just a few sentences. And so my challenge to you for this week is to each day, Monday through Friday, there's five of them, to read one of the parables. Uh, just, just to read one of those. I, most of them will literally take you less than 20 seconds uh, to read through. But the challenge is to do the same thing with it that we did in Proverbs 10 last week. So read one of the parables, take 30, 60 seconds just to reflect on what you've read and how it might apply to your life, and then write it down or type a note in your phone. Uh, but just allow God's word to sink in. This is how we become the good soil. We give it a place to land. And so that's my, uh, that's my challenge. And uh, I think one of the things that I have identified with, and we've had a lot of conversation about this, is that um, God is kind of doing, there's a, there's a new current uh, of moving at Center Church. You know, we've gone through this period of just coming into existence, uh, but God's also calling us to take next steps uh, into, you know, new levels of adventure, if you will, risk, if you will, to do some, some new things. But right now, we're in this season of him preparing that and giving us something to work with uh, so that we can be fruitful in the right time. So I want to encourage you, uh, take the time out just to do it, just to do the, uh, do the Maddie 13 challenge for this week. Let me pray for you. God, thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity to, to walk with you uh, on an ongoing basis and not just depend on uh, periodic experiences. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you would help us just in the, in the quietness of our minds and our hearts to really assign value to your word or to really just recognize that you want to work in the details and you've given us a tool for that. Uh, and I pray that you would help us to see fruitfulness so that we can be encouraged to pursue you farther, Lord. Thank you so much for, uh, for this day and all the fun we get to have uh, watching the Super Bowl today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. If, uh, if you came prepared to give, thank you so much for your faithfulness. If you need to communicate with us, uh, just hit your connect card, drop that in the box. Otherwise, go Eagles or no one. Definitely one of those two. <laughs>